You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. telling you that this week we have a very weird digital noise setup, uh, which is to say there's actually going to be two digital noises released this week and uh, one either towards the end of, another one either towards the end of this week or early next week. Uh, the first two that you're going to be hearing are all television shows because we quite frankly got sent a giant stack of television seasons all at once and we decided, you know what, let's just do a couple Special shows just covering those, a little more in-depth than we usually get into each particular season, and where a whole variety of guests got brought in to discuss them. Because basically, you guys must have gotten sick by now of listening to me do one-sided reviews of TV seasons, uh, describing them to Joe, who hasn't had the time to see them himself. So this is part one. And like any digital noise, let me ask you once again to please use our Amazon links on the actual page to buy the copies of the television shows if you're interested. Or, in fact, for anything you're buying from Amazon, we get a kickback from there as well. We've never needed subscribers more than we do right now. Please, if you don't have a subscription... Think about joining us. You get episodes of The Breakfast Pub. You can get episodes of The Original Gentleman. You get tons of commentaries that are available and more still on the way, including bloopers, new videos, all sorts of stuff. Uh, even for the highest level soon, I will be putting some more original written content in there. So uh, that's something you might want to think about. No matter what level of subscription you get, you're just helping out oneofus.net stay alive which some months is a touch and go process admittedly so thank you so much and without any further ado let's get into the reviews And I'm back with Joe. No, you're not. He's the digital noise guy that's going to be recording with me about movies later. The old hat. The newest old hat. But this is the TV-only episode, so we are talking about a couple box sets here that Joe saw, and then one that no, I couldn't get anybody who saw. Oh, no, I watched it. Don't worry. No, you didn't. Well, people don't know that unless you say something. Sorry. Good going. Uh, he totally watched. Good going. Now when I fake it, people are going to know. Well, this one you for sure you did watch, and that is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. More, but if they do their more. job, they'll be legends. <laughs> is it, yeah, from the ads. <laughs> like, I was more excited about this show than anybody. You right? were. I mean, I was like, uh, like when they first announced it, Arrow, I think, was at that point still at like season two. Yeah. Was, by far the best of I was going to say it was still interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um... And, you know, even season three wasn't that bad. Season four, on the other hand. Um, well, how much Barrowman was in season four? 
I mean, he, there's a lot of Barrowman. Oh, okay, seasons, yeah. But, um, it, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then huge fan of The Flash, and I'm like, I love a lot of the characters that they're talking about bringing into That's the right, show. That's right, The Flash. Hey, man, I go so fast. And you get, yeah, you get Rory uh, from Doctor Who mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, pl- coming on here, playing basically Arthur Darville, playing Rip Hunter, you know, a time <laughs> traveler who stole his ship from a group of time lords. This sounds familiar. Band of Misfits white guy leader. <laughs> like, that's what he is. Yeah. Yeah, that is blatantly ripping off Doctor Who and left and right. A little bit. Yeah. Except that he's so joyless. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the the paper sack with holes poked in it. Yeah. I just like <laughs> You you like you're a time traveler. You're not gonna have any sense of fun. Well, I, I I I'm not gonna pretend like the heroes of tomorrow. I didn't know anything about the, anything. And when when he was on screen, it was like okay, what what's tragic past? What your family's dead or some stupid shit? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. his family's yeah, dead. Yeah, all right. And basically, you got Van, Vandal Savage, who is one of the big DC baddies, who's yeah been immortal since caveman days. Which I understand, but. Damn, does he look stupid. <laughs> Except in this particular context, I think he's just, he's been immortal since Egypt. Yeah, just, just, uh, since like, uh, hot girl days. Yeah, they had to, they're basically adopting from, uh, Jeff John's JSA storyline. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, they're sort of tied to each other. Uh, and, uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl keep dying and getting uh, reborn. And then at a certain point, get their memories back and fall in love all over again. And then they both die tragically again. Nah. Usually. Because Vandal Savage kills them and steals their life. I wonder if they ever remember what it feels like as they're dying. Like, oh man, that super hurt. Or like, you know what? I thought it would have hurt more than that did. Yeah, you're like, and they start Groundhog's Daying it. They're like, yeah. this decade sucks. Or like, hey, can you kill me this way? <laughs> but uh, those two are both uh, brought along for the ride here to try and stop Vandal Savage from whatever the fuck he was doing. The world something. Like world domination that ends up having Rip Hunter's... Wife and child get murdered, and so well, he wants to stop that from ever yeah, happening. Yeah, I, I think once again it was like, oh, but we need Vandal Savage because he's the only asshole big enough to like scare other assholes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and like you know, like immortal. Even if you kill him, he slowly resurrects and comes right back with that so luscious like, beard. Uh, and you've got Victor Garber, who I love. Oh he's yeah, he's been yeah. on so many great shows, including Alias, back when it was. Good. Yes, that's right. Uh, who is uh, teamed up with the dreadful, unfortunately, Franz Drameh, Drameh, Meh, Meh, right. uh, who become Firestorm. It was weird for me to go like, man, I wish Stephen Amell's brother was back. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, it's such a shame because Garber's so good, and this kid is just like, just doesn't get it. I mean, to be fair, he looks like, you know one of the world's greatest actors compared to uh, the guy playing Hawkman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. just so... Cardboard. So, <laughs> so cardboard. Uh, Falk Henschel. I mean, seriously, Jai Courtney would be embarrassed for this guy's acting skills. <laughs> uh, uh, Hawk Girl is played by uh, Sierra Renee, who I didn't think is terrible, but she's not that great either. No, I'd say she's like uh, Lex acting uh, level. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got Brandon Routh, who's always charming. As, he's as he's a charmer. Adam, I like him in here. He's kind of the big nerd of the group. Hey, you know what, Felicity Smoke? You fucked up. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> yeah, she did. You fucked and, up. In multiple ways, but that's a whole other discussion <laughs> when we're talking about Arrow Season 4. <laughs> Jesus. 
Um, and then I think the some getting the, some of the strongest parts of the team, Katie Lotz as uh, Sarah Lance slash White yep, Canary, yep. who was one of the best things about Arrow before they're like, no, we should kill her. <laughs> like, no, wait, no, wait, no, I'll, I'll do over. Let's put the other girl, her sister in, who's terrible actress instead <laughs> and can't fight on screen at all. But she's got smoky eyes. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, Wentwood Miller, uh, Wentworth Miller as uh, Leonard Snart slash Captain Cold, who's playing one bit, but... Boy, does he play it to the hilt. He sure and it's does. It's fun to watch. <laughs> I'm Captain Cold. This adventure is no good. Well, maybe I like really stupid names. Did you ever think of that, Griff? <laughs> uh, and uh, who's the guy who's... Uh, oh, Dominic Purcell as Heatwave. Uh, you know, is there with them, and they're the team again, which, you know, it's that whole... I found him uh, the the crown jewel for me personally. I like him in it too. I think whenever those two guys are together, they clearly have some weird sort of character. Yeah, yeah, they're on the road to Cairo. I mean, they're both playing one note, a one note exaggerated, very comic-y character. No, because sometimes he plays Kronos. Sometimes he plays Kronos. <laughs> um, and you know, there's appearances by like John Barrowman as Malcolm Mer- Merlin and Reverse Flash, Matt Lesher, and like lots of other people. And along the way, you get to see like jo- Jonah Hex. Yeah, which I was like, okay, I like Jonah Hex. It's still better than the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about the episode per se, but it's still better than the movie. Um, but yeah, I-, I don't know. It wastes too much time. Is its biggest problem. It does a lot of like, like. In like, which you know, clearly they're going from time to time. They only got so much money for big different, like keep yeah. different huge sets. Well, yeah, I, I think the budget is definitely the biggest detractor on this. Yeah, um, but they, I don't know, man. Like when they come up with reasons, because reasons, it's always that. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Like no, almost yeah. all the plot machinations in here are like the stuff that pissed me off like once or twice a season on Flash and Arrow. Mm-hmm. But it's like almost every episode has one of those moments that you're like. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's kind of like uh, Star Trek uh, syndrome where you're in a really cool setting, whatever, but man, we got a budget, so it's going to be a lot of character-driven story, but the characters aren't really that well uh, crafted, so... No, no, and, the, and like I said, the scripts are really badly crafted. <laughs> this thing's biggest strengths are for the actors that actually are fun to watch on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, some of the biggest weakness... The biggest weakness is the scripts. Second biggest weakness... The other actors. <laughs> <laughs> the hangers on. Yeah, the hangers on that are just so bad. Um, but, you know, it, it has its moments that are cool. Mm-hmm. There are some episodes that are better than others. I wouldn't say if you're a fan of the Berlantiverse, um, <laughs> it's not worth writing off altogether. It's still better than the last season of Arrow. I bet, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, (laughs) And it ends with, like, a a promise that we're going to get to see the Justice Society of America, which makes me extremely happy. We'll see. So, I mean, what did you think overall of this? I've been talking a lot, but... Oh, no, I mean, it it was definitely a put it on while I'm doing something and and pay just the right amount of attention to it sort of show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, around entertainment. Well, yeah, because you can look up and you can follow it, and you're you're not going to be lost, even though it's a, a... pseudo winding plot across all the episodes you you can catch up real quickly yeah they do the little you know previously on you know mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. kind of have to because it does go all over the place it's just that most of the stuff that happens at any given point you don't really need to know you just need a very like okay everything they've tried so far didn't work 
and now they're here. <laughs> well, the only thing I really didn't like is I, I don't like it when the arch villain is just the the smartest fucking thing on existence, and just like, oh well, I thought you might use the uh, the salad fork instead of the dinner fork, and that's how I was able to follow your foiling my plans. Ah, but I knew you might think that I'd use the salad fork instead of the dinner fork, which is why I went back in time earlier and put a third per- a fork on the other side of the plate. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like, well, shit, man. Like, can't you have a bad day? What's funny <laughs> is that there actually are quite a few Bill and Ted moments in here, but that we're supposed to take seriously. Yeah, it really <laughs> is, yeah. I mean, like, I love time travel. And I don't mind there being, like, a little, like, from the start being a, a, a schema in it that you're like, okay, that doesn't really work. But as long as that's the mythology the whole way, I'm good. This thing breaks its rules whenever the fuck it feels like it. Okay, so I got a question. So, like, Gideon, is she the same Gideon that, that Barry Allen made? I That never even occurred to me. Possibly an evolution years later. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm all like, Gideon's ship's mind. computer. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It hadn't occurred to me, but I wouldn't be surprised. Same voice. Yeah. Oh, well, then probably. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, God, boy, looking back, I'm like, wow, I guess the Jonah Hex episode really was the best one. <laughs> That's kind of sad, because it's really not all that good either, but I don't know. It's more of that Berlanti-verse. It's like a, coming up to an excuse to watch everybody fight, which is harder here to do cool, because a lot of the characters are, like, flying and shit, and they don't have the money to make them actually no. do cool stuff. No, so all they do is just land dramatically. <laughs> yeah, they land dramatically a lot and then get in punch-ups, and you're like, okay, well, that's not really Well, and, and poor Ray getting his heart broken again. But at this point, yeah. I was like, dude, that's your fucking fault. <laughs> yeah, no, it is totally at this point. You're like, come on, man. You walked right into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like, and that's another example where I like the actor, and he's doing the best he can with a really bad plot twist. For, yeah, like, the he character. really is. Just really poorly thought out. Um, yeah, so overall, I think this really is kind of a, like, only if you really feel like you have to be a completist, one would hope that maybe they'll take notes from people who were highly critical of the season, which as near as I can tell was near everyone. Well, and I don't think um, there's much integration with the rest of the CWDC universe. Just barely. Yeah. You know, like, there are episodes where other characters come in, like, there's one where they go to uh, Star City after, like, after the apocalypse, and Arrow's all old and shit. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> and has one arm. When he was nubbing. Yeah. Uh, if you get this on Blu-ray or DVD, you get, of course, the Comic-Con panel, which is standard. It's a Comic-Con panel. Uh, all these. Um, there is a special at the look of the Jonah Hex episode uh, called Jonah Hex. Hex marks the spot. What? Not Hex going to give it to you? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, not Hex criminals. Oh, man. Uh, there's a Fantastic Voyage touring the Wave Rider set, which is the name of the ship, the time ship they go through. So totally not the TARDIS. Looks at the special effect. Yeah, definitely. Man, don't even get me started. <laughs> uh, there's History in the Making, which takes a look over at like the parts that are supposed to be factual things that happened and they like compare them to what happens on the show and then of course there's a gag reel um and the uh 16 one hour episodes that come digital copy yada 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 uh yeah i mean it sure is a pretty looking show given that it's very bright and colorful and yeah it's not all up its own ass like arrow yeah at least it's not trying to be dirt serious all the time but its biggest problem is on some level its seriousness with the main you know the time travel travel guy rip yeah who is like so dull to watch you're like you have a TARDIS. Stop being a dick. Well, and he acts like a Shirley Temple drunk. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like they made him that serious so that no one would, like, get, so someone went, isn't this a lot like that British show, Doctor Who? Shut up! 
No, he's better, not. He's not Christopher Eccleston. We, Shut up. We better try and make him absolutely nothing like the Doctor. Uh, and maybe that's partially me just going. I want him to be more like the Doctor. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to Narcos. Now, I was actually surprised they sent this to me because, like, uh, a lot of the Netflix shows, you're kind of like, why are you putting this out on Blu-ray, dude? <laughs> well, that, uh, I mean, for those few people out there who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns, man. I'm not going to pay for Netflix. You know? Well, maybe, uh, but did you did you check the package to make sure it wasn't cut with something else? What do you mean? I mean, there oh, might be see, filler yeah, in there, yeah. In there, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I will say I'm glad this was my excuse, my kick in the ass to finally sit down and watch this fucking it's, thing. It's so awesome. It really is. It's uh, It's kind of stands alone in style as well. And, yeah, and yeah. Like, it's a docudrama, but like... With the drama part of it being extremely well done and ex- more extensive than you usually expect. And, no, and nobody talks to the camera. But, yeah, I mean, lots of stuff where at first you're like, it feels a little um, uh, Goodfellas-ish, you know, with the near constant narration going on from the sort of main character who's a who's a, a, a cop there. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of got vibes of, like, a super gritty Miami Vice. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but then it becomes clear as it goes on. It's like that is more than just a cheap way to, to like... Yeah, get the plot moving. It really is presenting this thing like, well, if we were to try and include everything you needed to know here to tell Pablo Escobar's story, his it, story yeah. alone would take like nine seasons. Right, it would. So, so we're going to dodge around stuff going on elsewhere in the 300 other characters we might need and just focus on the principles. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it, it really made uh, Escobar fascinating to learn about without having to really be into the drug war which a lot of people aren't (laughs) yeah yeah um like uh, one thing i didn't realize about him was that he was viewed for a long time as like a almost a folk hero oh well sure yeah because he he was a a provider and a protector in ways yeah i mean in the early days of like bringing coke into miami and whatever where he almost immediately was just making billions (laughs) like he was like viewed himself as as some sort of robin hood and was like throwing you know something like I think they said like forty percent of his income at that point was going right back into his like these yeah, but that was towns. a smart ass move. You just reach it like having peasants come up and handing them stacks of thousand dollar bills and stuff, and you're just like Jesus Christ. Well, when you can provide for people better than the government can, you you bet that 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 allegiance is going to switch. I mean, part of it is he could only spend so much money because <laughs> like they're like, oh, so they had to make an excuse for where all this cash was coming from. And in fact, there's still supposedly like hundreds of bundles of uh, Pablo. Escobar cash buried around the country that no, just no one knows where they are because he sent his people out and would like bury them and then kill the people who buried them so no one would know where it was. It's like, well, buddy, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, and watching this where, you know, really there is a point early on where you're like, God damn it, I kind of like Pablo Escobar. He's, but he's, by the end of the season, no, you will not like no, him. No, you're, you're, you're back to that. Uh. Yeah, he's a super paranoid, like, psychopathic murderer he he's a victim of his own success <laughs> uh and this is actually dire- uh directed by brazilian filmmaker jose padilla who did uh the elite squad film and its sequel which were both terrific crime like action crime films that star the guy who's playing pablo escobar here wagner mora as the lead character so it's kind of like oh well these two have a good relationship go already. with what you know uh in fact i was surprised by how many of the people on here who are at least to us were relatively unknown with the you know with with uh, 
few exceptions, like uh, Luis Guzman, who plays another uh, Narcos, who is like the craziest of all of them. Well, I'm I'm just glad that it wasn't uh, Bobby Cannavale wasn't in this. <laughs> Did it feel like he should have shown up at some? Well, point? so we like, season two, you know, uh, around 2000, NBC did Kingpin, uh-huh. uh, which was about Miguel Cadena, who was another huge drug lord. Uh, and kind of all was still getting getting kind of hot, so they just shoehorned this Italian dude to play a, a Mexican guy. I did not know. That. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but however, I'm doing research on this. I did find that uh, a lot of people from Colombia were like, "Yeah, you're the, this lead actor, and many of the other actors, their accent is so off. It's like they didn't even try to use the right accent. They probably didn't. Like we would know, right? <laughs> but even those were things I was reading it was like, okay, a given. This was not designed for audiences there. No, like this was designed for English speaking audiences, despite the fact that fully half the dialogue is in fact in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was definitely made for like more like English sensibility. Yeah, so this was definitely not a casual watching sort of thing. <laughs> well, like, like Legends of Tomorrow was like, eh. Yeah. Do something else. Watch it. This no. This is no, like you sit down and pay attention. And get mm. sucked into the drama of this thing, which is quite effective. Yeah. Um. The one shocking thing to me about this whole thing that I was like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" Was that it doesn't end with the death of Pablo Escobar? Because you're like, okay, there's a lot of stories about narcos that get even more bloody and disturbing after Escobar. Yeah. I, that I'm actually more curious about than Escobar himself, even because <laughs> like, I don't know anything about what happened next and why Juarez turned into such a war zone, you know? Uh, well, I mean, I left eventually, so. <laughs> so it's not as bad as it was. No, I'm just saying, like, it's it's not under my protection anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, but. I'm guessing. Here's my guess. Okay. Next season. Because they keep going, like, if you watch the trailer, like, who killed Pablo Escobar is, like, a tagline they use. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he dies, like, third episode or something like that. And then we start to watch about the power vacuum. Well, the, there there wasn't much documented about the Weekend in Bernie's situation that happened <laughs> when he died. So that's at least three episodes. <laughs> that would be something that someone should Still do. Still see, see Thomas Howell, though. <laughs> and whoever that guy was who played Bernie, <laughs> and the other guy, yeah, the, and the other, oh, uh, 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 what was it, Andrew uh, McCarthy? McCarthy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go, the other guy. This guy's like somewhere his ears perked up. He's like, please, please, I can act. I'll come do anything. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew, I don't mean to shit on your career. You've done far more than I have. Yeah, no, fair enough. Just not lately. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the real question here is why am I getting this on Blu-ray if I can just watch it on Netflix? Well, um, there's uh, disc, disc one of this as a commentary on the pilot from the director uh, and then from one of the executive producers as they uh, dis- discuss how they got here, talking to Netflix, how I got started, yada, yada. Disc 2 has um, Establishing the Root, a 25-minute look at the making of the show, which is pretty solid. Um, actually, it's funny because like, the Orange is the New Black and House of Cards ex- this had almost nothing in the way of extras, so I was ready for this to be the same way. Mm-hmm. But that's actually really solid alone right there. Uh, then there's the Colombian Connection, which is about 12 minutes long, looks at the shoot and the intent for the portrayal of the people there and the pros and the cons of said shoot. Uh, it has a commentary on episode 6, Ex- Explosivos. Wow, it's a Tenacious D episode. Uh, <laughs> Disc 3 has a commentary on the finale with the director of that episode and executive producer. Um, and then there is the language barrier, which about 12 minutes looks at the problems of having an international ensemble and not everybody is speaking can speak the same language. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Ew. My favorite line. And, and I've said it to my girlfriend to the point where she's just annoyed with me. Ah. 
plata o pomo. Yeah, they say that a lot in here. Uh, and then seven deleted scenes. Um, yeah, this is super solid. If you ever check this out first, it may be freak you out a little bit at first because it's not the type of storytelling you're probably used to. Yeah, not everybody grew up around the drug trade. No, no, this is true. But, I mean, just in terms of how the story is, is oh, told. Oh, but one of the yeah. things that it really got right, I got to say, is um, the opulence of Escobar. Where, yeah, you're spending thousands of dollars on this stuff, but it sure ain't buying you class, is it? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> just, yeah. Courtney's always like, I would totally live in the Scarface Mansion. And I was like, yeah, by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> place is the tackiest thing I've ever it seen. It really is. Life. Go get uh, another tiger. Um, the last uh, show that we're talking about together is Blunt Talk, which is a Stars cable network show created by Jonathan Ames. Who uh, I you know I never watched his previous show Bored to Death. I know Martin Thomas was a huge fan of it and tried to kept trying to get me to watch it and I never did. Hmm. Um, but uh, it got canceled. So there you go. Uh-uh. <laughs> but it's also executive produced by Seth MacFarlane. The big attraction here though is that it stars Patrick Stewart playing like this sort of like liberal news demagogue type guy who is like. He's like goofy Patrick Stewart. Uh-huh. You know, when you see him on talk shows? Yeah. Where he's like, he's still got all the Shakespeare in the class, but at the same time, he'll like collapse into giggles and do really doofy stuff. So is he like smoking fatties like 24-7? Yeah, he's constantly getting fucked up. Nice. On this thing. Uh, yeah, he's Walter Blunt. Um, and when it starts, his star is kind of falling. Their their ratings are going down. And he uh, leaves a party totally wasted and uh, uh, picks up a tranny hooker. That is, yeah. That is, sorry. Can't say tranny. My mistake. I'm still getting used to the new rules. Transvestite hooker. Okay. Okay. Can we say hooker? Uh, Prostitute. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Entrepreneur. Um, sorry. I, you know, it's one of those things I, I keep hearing... Other people say tranny and think it's okay, but the context is different than me saying it. I'm like, okay, (laughs) got to get used to this. Um, Anyway, uh, so – and he's being this, like, weird, perfect gentleman. Like, this really funny scene. She's like, well, what what can I do for you? He's like, honestly, I would just like to nurse at your bosom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then the cops show up and he freaks out and jumps on top of his own jag and, and like kicks the shit out of like four cops. Nice. Like like beats them up. It's like jump on top of the jag and is quoting, screaming out lines from Hamlet and you're like, this is one hell of a start to the show. To be yeah. Fair. Just the fact that it's Patrick Stewart. If it yeah. someone else, you And Living Theater. Eh. Um, but then that that notoriety causes people to start paying attention to his show again, which he starts to go a little, I wouldn't say network on, but like okay. definitely it gets goofier as that happens and encounters any number of crazy situations. Jackie Weaver, the great Jackie Weaver plays sort of his, his producer slash longtime friend mm-hmm. uh, on the show who constantly has to keep him under control. Uh, and there's a, a lot of nice side characters. Ed Begley Jr. plays her husband, who's just starting to experience dementia. Uh, Brent Spiner has br- a couple brief <gasps> appearances in it with Patrick Stewart every time. I should hope so. At his favorite bar. Not enough though. There well, needs to be more Spiner. In is there going to be a season two? Moby plays the the guy who's now dating uh, Patrick Stewart's ex wife, and he's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason Schwartzman has a multiple. Who was in the Star of Boards of Death has multiple uh, uh, 
episode arc in here that sort of leads up to the finale. Uh, Elizabeth Shue has a nice little bit as sort of an Ann Coulter type character. Uh, but, you know, what's so funny about it is that you do like Walter Blunt. You're like, okay, I would totally hang out with this guy. Mm-hmm. But he he has the most fragile ego in the world, ultimately. And, like, even his, like, often his most deeply held beliefs are can get cast to the side by accident if someone's stroking his ego right. Well, know? so it's like us. Um, I'll say yes for now. <laughs> uh, well, that's just because you're a very wise and observant man, Chris. <laughs> uh, and this is only 10, like, 20-minute episodes, but I raced through them, and I thought this was super funny. I was surprised that this was getting mediocre reviews. Um, but it is definitely one of those shows that's not for everyone. Okay. You know, I get it. I just, I personally found it really funny. And I love Patrick Stewart so much that watching him play this sort of, like, drugged out like <laughs> egotist is really really hysterical to me so if you haven't watched it and because you heard some people saying they wasn't that good but you're a giant patrick stewart fan like me i would say go ahead and give it a shot because i thought it was pretty good and it did get renewed for a second season hey there you go so that's a that's a thing they will make it so that's a, a bonus um and there's a 23 minute inside the world of blunt talk extra uh, where they go through every episode and look at it and its influences, which of course include network, <laughs> which they would, um, the how, the guest stars and how they got them to go in there, and then the rest of them are just short promos for the first like little EPK bits. So not that much special, but I mean, like I said, this is one of those shows I really do say is worth your time, worth checking out uh, from Anchor Bay. Okay. Right on. Well, I'd like to thank Joe for joining me on those two, uh, three reviews. Yeah, you guys are welcome. And you'll be back shortly with uh, a lot of movies to talk Shh, about. It's a secret. Joining me to talk about season four of Arrow, mainly because he's the only person I could find who actually watched through the whole thing other than me, is Harris, Dr. Nerdlove. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I think the Arrow fandom has sort of dropped off by a significant margin at this point. Which, honestly, I can't really blame them because as much as I like the series, first of all, after two seasons of, of uh, Daredevil and one of Jessica Jones, it's kind of hard to qu- take this quite as seriously. Very true. But also, this was a really weak season. I mean, it had its high points, but other than other than a couple of standout episodes, it was kind of like, why are you doing this? Yeah, I, I would definitely say this is the weakest season altogether. For one thing, the flashbacks of the show have just become tired and like are we still doing this that sort of feel about it i mean like the i actually like the flashbacks from last season where it was like oh he's off the island and he's in china and there's exciting spycraft stuff this one's like wait seriously he's back to the island again what and he basically lost? fell backwards where at least when he was in hong kong he was becoming he you were seeing the beginnings of like badass oliver and having to make hard decisions and now he's back on the island and it's like 
uh, okay, we're basically seeing him do everything he did on the island before, except now with different villains. And, and the only, it's just so transparent that the only point of this at all is to provide some level of backstory to figure out the Neil McDonough equation with him as, uh, 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 I wanted to say Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> so what's his name? It's Damien uh, Dark. Damien Dark, who is the villain who has a mystical device that lets him have very telekinetic, super strong telekinetic powers. And you're like, well, where did it come from? Well, that's the only reason the flashbacks are set up on the island. It's just, it feels like bad writing that that is, is nothing but like a minor story backup element for the main story. And of course, you know, they have had to do the thing where it's like everything that happens in the hero's life is directly connected to the hero. It couldn't be that Damien Dark just has magic powers because he worked fucking hard at it. <laughs> no, it's got to connect directly to Ollie's past. I mean, the only good side about that at all is we got Constantine for two episodes, which True. were pretty cool. Yeah, I, like that was awesome, and I would love to see him come back. Although they did have to bend themselves into a whole bunch of shapes to explain, hey, why isn't Constantine just fixing this? This is kind of his thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think they do address it at one point and go like, yeah, he's. I don't even know where to get in touch with him now. I think he's in India or some shit. Yeah, or at one point he's in hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't ask. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so that was good. Then you've got the Flash crossover, of course, was good once again. Mm -hmm. You know, although it involves it involves two of my least favorite characters in the in the DC television universe, the Blantiverse, uh, Hawkman and Hot Girl, who have all of the romantic chemistry of a couple of pieces of wood that are being banged against each other. Yeah, I don't get why Greg Berlanti thinks Hawk, the casting of Hawkman and Hawkgirl is any good at all. Because they are, yeah, there's no chemistry. Neither one of them is a particularly good actor, but Hawkman is especially bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, okay, I, everybody loves what Jeff Johns did with their storyline, but it feels so half-assed the way they're dealing with it here. And the whole thing, their whole presence in this season is nothing but a backdoor pilot for Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. And that's it. And, and it, it feels like it. And it just, it derails so many plot lines just to have this out of the middle of nowhere. And it, do, it doesn't really do anything other than inject, in, like, in the main, in the Arrow itself, it doesn't really do anything except to inject some really tedious and character-breaking moments between Ollie and Felicity. Yeah, yeah. I, like, uh, the, the stuff that goes on this season with Ollie and Felicity, this is the season I went from a Felicity fan to a... You know what? Fuck Felicity. Like, she's just so poorly written and makes, like, decisions like a crazy person in her personal life all the time. You're like, you know, I just don't... You don't. You went from seeming like the most real person on the show to seeming the least real person got, on the show. Yeah. The biggest problem, and I'm assuming we can talk talk about spoilers to a certain extent, or... Sure. Yeah. Spoilers, go. Yeah. So if you don't the, want spoilers, The problem here is that the way that they handle their relationship. I was really happy to see Ollie and Felicity get together because she is someone who, at this point... Has has seen his his world, and she has been Captain Sensible through the whole damn thing. Yes. And in the previous season, we find out, hey, Ollie has a kid. Uh, and he's been made to promise by his, you know, by his baby mama not to tell anybody that this kid exists. Which he hasn't told anyone. Exactly. And he has a very good reason as to not tell anybody, because whether he's running for mayor or as his life as the Arrow... People who find out that he has a child are going to go, going to lose their shit and use them against him. Yeah, and you know his you know his ex girlfriend, the one he got knocked up in the earlier seasons, um, makes him promise not to tell anybody, up to and including Felicity. Yes, and then you know so he tells her during the the Legends of Tomorrow backdoor pilot, he tells her and she dumps him out of nowhere. 
Never mind the fact that, A, he had been able to tell her because she he was made to promise not to tell her, and B, that the reason why he's kept this child a secret from anybody is because you can't blab about what you don't know, and if anyone ever finds out about this child, then they will use him against him. And what's the first thing that happens when someone finds out this kid exists? They use him against him. Yeah, and the fact that she acts like this is this huge betrayal, and he explains it all very clearly to her, so it's never not never one of those, like, just tell her what the fuck happened things, which would have been even more irritating. No, he tells her, and she's still like, no, fuck you, it's a betrayal. Yeah. And I was like, no, fuck you, writers of Arrow. That's insane. Yeah, it would be, it would be <laughs> one thing if she was upset with him. That would be understandable. That is a pretty big thing not to keep not to keep away from someone who you are presumably about to get married to. to break off the engagement. But to, yeah, to completely break up with them over this thing. When it it's totally makes sense why, I mean, like, you would do the same thing. Anyone would do the same thing that he did. Yeah. You know? In the world that he lives in, yes, keeping your love, your yes. secret love child a secret is a smart move. Yep. Agreed. And uh, so it's just, the, it's just crazy. That, Oh. That injection of artificial drama, which happens over and over again in this season. But All it, this drama that happens yeah. for no reason. It's But it's of... And that's happened over and over and on Arrow, period. But it's the most, like... Egregious of the violations of that of the of the writers going eh our list, our watchers are stupid they're not going to realize this doesn't make any sense exactly you know it's just it really feels insulting you know I I was just that was when I checked out completely yeah there I was, was like, there was oh, that God. and there was a subplot with Diggle and Diggle's family oh. which again was so telegraphed it might as well have been sent by Western and Union just kind of fizzles out in a weird sort of like I don't just don't care what happens by the end of this story the only thing I really cared about Diggle's brother is that he looked so much like our friend Bert it was kind of distracting it kind of did uh, but I, I will say this introduced uh, Curtis Holt played by Echo Kellum who I believe what's it what's the character who he's a he's a kind of he becomes yeah, a new member of Team Arrow and he's and like, in the comics he's Mr. Terrific. Yeah, Mr. Terrific. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I was trying to So remember. he's he's he good. Next, I like that guy. Yeah, he's a cool he's a cool character and honestly Neil McDonough does so much with a role that gives him so fucking little. He is easily sure. the most charismatic person on the screen whenever he's around. No, no, that's totally true, but he is He's an experienced, old-school character actor, man. He's like everyone else here is a rank amateur compared to him. So, of course, he's magnetic when he's on. And the biggest problem is his dialogue they give him is so bad, but he chews up the scenery anyway. Yeah, and for me, this happened right as I finished up my watch, like, burning through Justified. So I had just gotten done mainlining him as Robert Quarrel on Justified, so seeing him in Arrow really kind of made me wait for Raylan Givens to show up. Yeah, right? <laughs> Which would have saved this season so much. If he just kills Green Arrow and becomes the new Green Arrow, yeah, I'd be into that at this point. Or yeah. he becomes Vigilante. I could be okay with that? Yeah, oh wow. I forgot about Vigilante as a, as a DC character. <laughs> yep, someone get me a band-aid because that was a deep cut. Oh yeah, and let's not forget as well suddenly they make John Barrowman a bad guy again. It's like the constantly rotating pinball game of is he a, is he the most evil guy in the world or does he actually have a heart of gold despite Or is he just very, is he just a real opportunist? And yeah. then of course there's the one major development that happens which is so perfunctory it's almost kind of insulting, even if it wasn't dealing with someone I'm kind of glad they kind of wrote off the show. Yeah. And that was, again, spoilers, so you may want to jump ahead if you don't want to hear about this, the death of Black Canary. You know, 
here's the thing. When that happened, well, they tease it at the beginning of the whole season where you see uh, Barry Allen and, and uh, Ollie in front of a grave and you don't see who it is. Like, oh, they lie. I can't believe they took them from us. You know, use careful about pronoun use. And, uh, and then he like, gets well, in the car and like, you know, if you have, when you have your chance, you kill Damien Dark. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, so somebody's going to die. And when it was Black Canary, I swear to God, I stood up and cheered. I fucking hate this Black Canary. I like the old Black Canary quite a bit, actually. I thought she was great. It's one of the only reasons I stuck with Legends of Tomorrow all the way through, which is maybe not worse than Arrow Season 4, but it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's um, like, no, no, nothing against Katie Cassidy, who's doing the best she can with what they're giving her. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to give something against Katie Cassidy. But she, like, they just never knew what to do with her character. Yeah. They gave her character arcs that disappeared out of nowhere, like the fact that she's a former alcoholic and pill popper. I, yeah. They never give her any reason, like... Even when they give her fight scenes, and maybe it's because she's just not that good at stunt fighting or they can't find her stunt actress to double for her, her fight scenes are the worst. Yes, yes. Like, they, that make it look like someone who's supposed to be a big badass can't fight. Well, uh, you know, which is still akin to my, like, a season ago, basically, she had no, had never had been in a fight in her life, and suddenly she's capable of fighting supervillains. Well, they kind okay, of made, that's, that's an arrow conceit that well, if you don't When they first into. introduced her, they kind of hinted that, yeah, she's learned a lot about self-defense, because her dad's a cop. She actually takes down a guy who draws a gun on her. Okay, so, you know, that's cool. They're hinting at her being Black Canary. Nope, it's her sister who's going to be Black Canary. Okay, right. cool, I like this twist. And then, you know, she goes through a season of some kickboxing in Taibo, and now she's supposed to be a badass. Yeah, but that's the thing, is that her her scenes, her fighting scenes, you're right, they look horrible. She does not have the physical acumen for this as an actress. I don't think she has the acting ability to pull this off. I just think, I just don't like her. I think if it was a different actress, even with the same script, I might be okay. I just don't like her. I think she's really bad at this job. And I was mortified that they just announced they signed a huge contract with her where she will be a full-time character on all of the Berlantiverse shows next season. I don't know how, how, what's yeah. going on with that, but I, I mean, I know she plays a villain on the on the Flash Earth 2, so presumably we'll be playing a villain in the new, you know, mutated Flashverse that we're getting. The yeah, Flashpoint the Flashback, Flashpoint, yeah. whatever it is. Honestly, it's like, but the way that they even sell off, they kill off her character, it is so perfunctory. Yeah. And so, eh, fuck it. But it is just, like, really? The exact really? moment she dies isn't on camera, and if they pull a whole Ollie totally secreted her away and saved her life so villains couldn't get to her and everything while she was in healing, I'm just going to be like, you know what, I'm just going to go back and set fire to all my Arrow box sets. Be like, that will be the cheapest, poorest, most telenovela stunt of all time for, like, primetime television. Yeah, I mean, even, even Legends of Tomorrow yanking her out of the timeline right beforehand would be better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, so point being, very disappointed with this season of Arrow. I thought, on the whole, a pretty huge disappointment all the way through. Uh, even, like, the sideline villains. There's almost nobody good. Like, Cupid? Are you fucking kidding me? Cute with Cupid? Yeah. Fuck it's that. Another character who's just like, why is this person even being brought up as a threat? And they're bringing her back next season as one of the new Arrow team. <sighs> I know. And, the, and don't... And once again, don't even get me started on the finale, which is the most preposterous, ridiculous, unbuyable thing ever. Oh, you mean where uh, where Mayor Ollie or Mayor Candidate Ollie beats Neil McDonough, beats, sorry, beats Damien Dark through the power of friendship and the hope of the city? Okay, I love 
Stephen Amell. I think he is a stupidly charismatic and ridiculously good-looking person, but he could not carry that whole we few, we happy few, we band of brothers scene to save anyone. No, very, very true. And 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 not just that, but like literally the beating of the enemy with the whole the whole nuclear storyline and everything that gets so ridiculously over the top so fast. I was like, all right. You know, even the supervillain who you're buying is like, you know, he's evil, but he's not totally batshit insane. He's like, fuck it, let's just kill everyone. I'm like, yeah, even even his own people. He's like, you know, I just go through with the plan. I'm just that kind of guy. I, I'm like, all right, what the fuck ever, Arrow? <laughs> I like that just, you got the feeling that actually, despite everything else, he was a really savvy businessman. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, what would he go through with the plan for then at that point? That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I mean, if we saw him getting increasingly unhinged, and he, believe me, Neil McDonough can play unhinged. Sure. Then we they could have bought it. But instead, we get the most, like... Yeah, it's like watching people play Missile Command trying to stop nukes. Now, to make it even worse, add insult to injury, the extras on this season are nothing but more crap you don't care about, except for the one advantage that if you don't watch the Flash or you don't buy the Fox Flash sets, it's got the crossover Flash episode on it as well, so you can finish the crossover. <laughs> um, but uh, there's a featurette about called Star-Crossed Hawks. Huh? <laughs> about Hawkman and Hawk Girl. And then there's another one called Starcraft Hawks, The Hunt for Vandal Savage. I mean, literally, so far it's nothing but... Come on, don't you want to watch Legends of Tomorrow? <laughs> there's extras on here. And then there's a bit about Damien Dark, which is probably more interesting than the rest. But And then, like, every year there's the Comic-Con panel, which is admittedly kind of amusing, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, but overall, we're like... I, I'm just... I, I wish they would just bring Arrow to an end. The sh- as a show, and go, okay, well, he'll still appear on other shows, because they have worn out their welcome in a huge way with that storyline, and I don't know why they're not focusing, just, like, doubling down on focusing on The Flash instead. Honestly, I don't think this is ne- the point of no return yet, especially because now that there are so many ways that they could reverse this entire season, between, you know, Barry just like, yeah, I can't fuck with the timeline, eh, fuck the timeline, <laughs> and the, the Legends of Tomorrow time traveling... There are so many outs to this, it's not even funny, and I hope to Christ they take them. Agreed. Uh, I might have to take an out altogether if the season five doesn't begin to fix anything that I've been hating about this. You know, I should act like I'm all surprised, but honestly, I should be more surprised that anything Greg Berlanti was involved in, that it was as good as it was for a while. Because he's not traditionally known for heading up the smartest, best stuff that has come out of uh, DC's... uh, 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 other than comic stuff, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, their, their television shows. I remember in the past, every time Berlanti's associated with something, I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Yeah, it's been interesting because uh, <laughs> my wife has been rewatching Dawson's Creek, and Greg Berlanti wrote a whole lot of Dawson's Creek, and it's starting to show an arrow. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a bad soap opera, and I feel like the problem is, is that these people who supposedly love comics don't love comics and don't have any respect for comics. They look at it as a hack job. And like ah, this is simple. I'd love to write the great American novel, but I don't. I'm, I I need to make money. It feels like like guys who like really don't care are writing this stuff. Honestly, I think that's a problem that DC is just having in general. Because look at the movies. Very true.
So I'm here with Mike to talk about The Flash yes. Season 2. The Flash. And also Harrison Wells. It, well, look, I, and so that's a dominant issue for you in talking about the season. Though. Well, yeah, Harrison Wells is all over this goddamn thing. Yeah, this is uh, season two, of course, where in the first <laughs> season, okay, so at the very least, there'll be some spoilers for the second season when we talk about this, and we are assuming you've already watched the first, so you can't I get would pissed hope so. at us <laughs> for like giving anything away from the first season. But ultimately, the first season, what's funny about the way that uh, that actor, what is it, Tom Cavanaugh, I believe, um, chooses to play uh, yeah uh dr harrison wells is just the sweetest nicest most understanding guy in the world who secretly is the worst villain ever exactly so they're like when they announced after the the, the decisive end of that character's life in season one that like or existence altogether (laughs) that he was that actor would be coming back playing the same character in season two but sort of i was like there's a lot of different ways you could go with that because all the Earth 2 shit, right? I love how he went the complete opposite, though, of what he was in the first yeah, season. Yeah, because he's kind of a prick he's all a, the he's time. He's a giant, giant douchebag, but, but he's a real nice guy. But yeah, he's a giant <laughs> douchebag, but you understand why he's a douchebag. Oh, it makes sense. Because the new villain, Zoom... Is a giant turd who's, douchebag. <laughs> uh, yeah, who's like makes Reverse Flash look like a pussy by comparison. Oh, for, oh I, was, <laughs> I was terrified of Zoom the first time he shows up and, like, or not shows up, but... Like, absolutely wrecks Barry's shit. Absolutely destroys Barry's shit. <laughs> well, and the, uh, um, the guy, who's that? Tony Todd, who voices the character. Oh, my God. Even though it's not Tony Todd yeah. playing him in there. But, like, yeah, Tony Todd's got the, one of the creepiest voices in the business. And that dude like, is Every time he talks terrifying. and he's wearing his, like, all black sort of ghoulish Flash suit, you're like, okay, this dude is cool. This who dude we is discover is, awesome. like, a guy with Flash powers on Earth 2. That now, because of the time vortex storm and the end of season one, is opening holes up all over our reality. So fifty-two, exactly. Yeah, yeah fifty-two. You get it. <laughs> point on it that uh, all these guys are flashing through those holes, including a whole new group of villains. That was a pun, wasn't it? Yeah, accidentally. <laughs> accidentally. Um, and, and including like various Elseworlds versions of characters we already know or have been introduced to. Yes, which is kind of cool. Like I like when I liked a lot all the stuff they did. On was it Earth me or was Flash a little murdery with them though this season? Uh, with his season, his Earth Two villains. <laughs> Why the fuck is not my Earth? There are a lot of a lot of them are like I'm here and then they die horribly. Yeah, but not really because of Barry. I mean, usually because of well, themselves. Tell that to Adam Smasher. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't say in the same context that. Uh, Batman was killing his villains in Batman v Superman. Okay, yeah, I give you that. Yeah, I'm although oh, who who got it though? There was one guy. Oh, I was really like amazed by because it, it was that guy who was aging a lot. Yeah, you remember that one? Like yeah. they were like their it's plan. A sad, poignant little story. There. Their their plan though was like straight up like, oh, we're just gonna let him die, and I'm just like, fuck, what? <laughs> well, what were they were supposed to do? And then he got healed at the end. They're like, we meant to do that, and they're like looking around. No, they didn't know how to do that. <laughs> I did really like Caitlin's character becoming Killer Frost on Earth 2. I love that. I loved Killer it Frost. Was... I was like, and it always sets up that thing because they do this thing where they're, they're like, wow, our backgrounds are surprisingly similar. Yeah, there's just a little turn tweak out here so and there. Different? And, uh, and I know that in this next season with Flashpoint, with the altered reality, yeah. they're introducing her mother who is referenced really? in that conversation they have where like, yeah, neither one of them could stand their mother. I always love that though. awful. So I'm like, are we going to see Caitlin become on Flashpoint Earth Killer Frost? That reminds me of, uh, the old, this old Superman Batman annual where Deathstroke talks to his alternate version. And the only difference was that the, uh, the mom was an asshole instead of the dad. Yeah. And so he <laughs> decided not to be a giant bitch like her. <laughs> Um, I, I, it makes I, me laugh every time. Definitely a big 
feature of the season for me emotionally was the way that Grant Gustin as Barry Allen, the flash He's so good is really show. now sort of coming down to, I mean, comes down to and solves the issue of his mom not being murdered by his father. He you has know? to, he, the, the entire season is him accepting the fact that everything is over Yeah, when it comes to that. But coming to the point that like still deciding that maybe even though it's over, it's still not over inside him. He's still yeah. not emotionally ready to deal with that. And even though that l- leaves with a very hollow ring at the very last moment of I the season. I still am pissed at that because I, uh, when Flashpoint originally happened, I actually was not a fan of that story. No, it wasn't good until they made an animated film. Yeah, the animated film gets rid of all the, all the terrible shit going on in yeah. it. But I mean, like, especially... It. He's getting everything he wants this season. He like th- It ends with him, like... With him having Iris loving him, like straight up, and then he's just like, you know, fuck that. I'm gonna, you know, yeah. Let's not spoil too much. I don't know. It was ridiculous. Uh, I also like to see Cisco finally getting some real powers. He has powers now. Yeah, like instead of just going, I I sense something. Yeah, now it's like, oh, I can actually do shit. Oh yeah. And when he sees his Earth Two version, he's like, wow, that guy's kind of a badass. I can do that. Yeah, (laughs) which like when he meets his alternate version, that dude is was actually kind of scary. Yeah. And then Zoom made it where he wasn't so scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we also finally get introduced to Wally West. Yes. Who is the 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 real child of uh of the, Joe West. Of, yeah, of Joe who West. Who is still like the soul of this entire show. Who, who didn't know that he had a son. Yeah. Because his wife was crazy and then and never told him that she was pregnant and, and then she comes back because of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when he showed when Wally West shows up at first you're kinda like Okay, I know they're going to drag out this whole I resent you, dad thing forever until I, I can't they were. stand them. And fortunately, they get over it super fast. Pretty quick. And then and even to the point where their relationship is downright adorable. Yeah, I like it. And I like the, you know, there's some difficulty at first between him and Barry. I was more, yeah, I was more annoyed by his, his difficulty with Barry because I felt like his difficulty with Barry was a little weird, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like his reasoning behind it was still like really weird. Yeah. Like, it just felt... But I got odd. it. His resentment, you had the childhood I was supposed to have. Yeah. You yeah, know? I could see that. But eventually, you still have that whole, like, oh, well, yeah, but you didn't have to watch your mom get murdered. And I didn't have to watch my mom get murdered in front of me, so fair Exactly. Cop. It's a yeah, fair cop. it's a fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there really was a lot of good stuff that happened in the season. I didn't think it was quite as strong as the first one. It's but- not a strong season, especially because of the ending for me and uh, some tidbits here and there, especially the twist. Yeah. Involving Zoom. Yeah. Because even the actor involved that was confused by that, I heard in an interview. Yeah. But the Speed Force episode that Kevin Smith directed is actually one of my favorite episodes of the season. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I thought it was one of the better written episodes of the season. I, yeah, I still, I everyone's say, like, oh, Kevin did a good job. But I'm still like, I really didn't see that he was anything but workmanlike in his directorial <laughs> thing. He didn't write it. Yeah, he didn't write and it. And I thought, I thought that but I think that's why, because of the writing. I think that's why the season of that episode works as well as it does, is that it, it lets him be use his actual directing talents instead of having a guy in a tusk suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did miss, I want more Killer Shark. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were going to say you corny, want more tusk. <laughs> I, know a, I know he's a corny, no, I will never say that. Uh, I know he's a corny CG guy, but he's a cool looking corny he was a, CG He was guy. awesome. I was. I remember being disappointed for the first time he shows up. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we have a whole episode about him. I'm like, oh, thank yeah. God. <laughs> Almost no Gorilla Grodd this season, which I found surprising. I was super surprised by how Although, much they were building up Gorilla Grodd in season one. I enjoy how his episode ended, though. I 
I did too. Especially with uh, them announcing that there will be an episode about that. Two the episodes. They'll yeah, be, they actually go to the Gorilla City. And and I'm so Gorilla, excited. Which is really oh, thrilling. I'm so excited. Yeah, as well as they'll be introducing Tom Felton as a new character, uh, uh, a, a police detective. But uh, who, if you don't know the name, he's the, the, the bad kid from the Harry Potter movies. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He's a... What's his uh, name? Malfoy or whatever. Yeah. D- yeah. The evil, evil kid worm, and everything. Wormy Malfoy kid. Poor guy. What do you think of um, Jay Garrick's entire thing? Well, Personally. I found it... Mm-mm. I found that as an actor, I'm not crazy about that guy overall. Yeah. I, I thought that, like, when you... Especially when you consider <laughs> that, like, it's kind of a mirror of what they did with Tom Cavanaugh in the first season. And yeah. Cavanaugh did such a better job no, with, with that than... than um, and I'm blanking on this guy's name. I don't remember. It's, it's, it's um, Teddy Sears, if I remember uh, correctly. I'm sorry? I think it's Teddy Sears. Uh, is his name? Perhaps. But anyway, yeah, I just like when the when they do the twist, I was like, yeah, there's a reason no one saw that coming because there was never even an, a tiniest dot of that in the character's performance. The thing is, like, the guy himself, he was told, like, right beforehand kind of thing. Maybe that they, they were didn't gonna know do that. until then. Which but is, that, that's literally what he said. He said that they walked up to him and said, hey, we're thinking about doing this. Yeah, that was a And mistake. so he was praying the God they weren't going to do that it. That was a mistake. And then they showed up on set and gave him the suit, and he was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> no, that was definitely a mistake. I thought it was a huge mistake. Yeah, because uh, honestly, that was something that there should have been clues in early on, and when there wasn't, it was kind of Well, there's like, only like a single what? clue, and it's like a weird kind of clue that no. I felt should have been handled better. No, the way they end up like sort of going, well, then who is Alan Scott? And that reveal, I thought, or was Harry, great. Or, or, yeah, well, not Alan Scott, no, but uh, yeah. Jay Garrick. The, yeah, Jay Garrick, yeah. And so. that, the reveal for that was both great and kind of predictable at I mean, the same time. Yes, but you really wanted Oh, I still wanted it. I'm not going to lie. Like, Although he was so much schlubby looking. You were like, yeah, that's what should happen here. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Overall, like I said, I had very few problems with this season. They're just... A, Little decisions that went wrong. Nothing is uh, anywhere near as bad as the mistakes that took place on the the, the era last. Oh season. God, era. Oh my God. And <laughs> and the, the ironically enough, Flash season two fixes one of those. Yeah, which is the um, Earth two um, Laura Lance. Well, we get to see her as a villain, which is nice. Yeah, but yeah. Th- we don't know what happened to her after that because they didn't show her get yeah. taken. Like she didn't well, get taken away or anything. She just signed a contract to be a, a full time character on every CW show, next which season. like I'm happy I'm like, about. How? But I, I'm not. But a at the fan same time, actress, so. well, I'm happy because it means that maybe she'll come back to Arrow. I'm happy that uh, and Arrow was so bad. What's his to name to place Captain season. Cold is going to be on every CW show. Oh yeah, season. So that guy, that, that like. guy. Oh, he eats Went up all of Miller. the scenery. But that's yeah. not what we're talking He's about. A one, <laughs> it's a one note performance, but it's a exactly how it's supposed to be when one he's note so good in that show but and he's great when he's on here this season briefly too. oh yeah he's great in this uh, in his episode as well as um many of the other guest stars that show up in this now this you season. ask yourself you're you're like i already saw this what do i need the blu-ray for actually there's a lot i mean not just of course they add the arrow episodes that were the crossover event and those are the best seasons of arrow that episode <laughs> <laughs> uh but there's also that has its own special features for it uh there's behind the scenes uh, special effects on various episodes uh, lots of featurettes, including the many faces of Zoom, of which there are indeed many, and uh, chasing Fat Flash, the journey of Kevin Smith. So that's just for you. <laughs> They've been an entire thing for him. Dude, all you have to do is set up a camera and it, leave the room, and you come back, and there's like a 
seven out of ten odds that no matter where you are, what you're doing, Kevin Smith is going to be sitting there clipping a mic. That's true. He's 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 directing uh, he's, a Supergirl just, episode. You, you can't not the guy will just can't stop talking. You know what's ironic is the fact that he's not doing an Arrow episode, even though he's that's the one character he's actually written for. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, not so far, but give it time. That's true. Uh, then, of course, there's the Comic-Con panel from 2015, a bunch of deleted scenes, a very funny gag reel, and you've got a pretty solid uh, set that they put together for season two here. It so far, nice. the Flash going pretty well. Let's hope they don't fuck it up with season three. God, oh God, I, if they do, I'm going to be so mad because out of all of those shows, it's the best ones, though. Yeah, it's definitely the Don. I mean, honestly, if the Flash starts sucking really bad, I then, don't know if I would watch any of the others anymore. Yeah, if the because if the, they're the good ones start sucking and Arrow is already really bad, how much worse could it can it get from there? That kind of thing. Yeah. Although with you know with the addition of you know everything that's going to happen, I'm really excited for the this entire universe this season. I, I am too, especially bringing and I'm one of the guys who really liked Supergirl season one. I thought and it was okay. I'm really glad they're bringing it into this, and I think it can, will do nothing but be improved by being brought into the this this. Aren't they aren't they merging the universe because of Flashpoint? Yeah, I, I don't know how. I, I, I heard because of Flashpoint, maybe. But like like everything I've read is while there will be changes on other shows, they're not going to be like. Continuity destroying changes. Well, the way I the I, I read an interview where they said that um Supergirl's going to merge because of Flashpoint, and that Barry's going to be the only person who knew it was an alternate oh, reality. Maybe so. That would make sense. Which I think is awesome. And when you think totally about it. And the best Supergirl. thing about that is that with <laughs> Superman showing up in season two that of Supergirl, that means that Superman is now in a CW universe, and that makes me insanely happy. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> I love Superman. Come uh, on. He He's got a bubble butt this time. Oh, my God. Okay. Badass, huh? That, <laughs> badass. Dear God, you could bounce every possible quarter off that adamantium man of steel there. <laughs> adamantium's wrong universe. I know, but still. <laughs> but still? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And for this segment of Digital Noise, I actually got Martin Thomas to come out. Hey, I'm doing one of these now. Yeah, because we got two shows that, uh, admittedly, we may be the only two people I know who are watching. I don't care. I don't care either because I, I like, enjoy these shows so much that hey, nobody else has to like them. I I agree. I come down on like I don't need your approval. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like these shows. We're gonna start off with the one that's more contentious. Okay, which is Gotham. Is that one more contentious? I feel like they're equally contentious. I don't know. I mean, the other one we're going to talk about is The Strain. Right. Both of these uh, for season two of these shows. Right. And I feel like Gotham is more contentious because people have more preconceived ideas of what it's supposed to be. Okay, you got that right. Yeah, and are actively angry at it, whereas The Strain just seems to have people who are just like, yeah, just yeah, I'm just not all that interesting. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're really missing out. I know. This is so much fun. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the... It's the... It's... In a way, more The Walking Dead-ish, but yes. with more shit constantly happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> a a more, more variety of characters and more settings yeah. to bounce back and forth to. But, uh, yeah, we're going to start out with Gotham, season two. Okay. Which I feel like was a massive improvement over season one. It really was. Uh, whereas season one was a mixed bag of sometimes it was awful and sometimes it was brilliant. Uh, season two seemed to, like, really reduce 
I never have thought it was awful. No. There was never a time with that. It's No, there's not an episode I was like, that was a bad episode. Right. You know, the first episode of the season definitely had moments that you were like, ooh, guys. But they were throwing everything at the wall to see what stick. Yes, yes. And it's, and, you know, unlike a show that's, you know, that our, our emerging model of the 13 episodes where you have to keep it tight, they got 22, or is it 26? I don't know. 20, 20 plus, plus episodes they have to fill. So they can't all be the best ones, but there's so many things they tried. And so, and it had a really good hit ratio. Uh, this whole rise of the villains, it, it worried me at first because I was like, well, the show has been really good about being more of a Gotham, uh, Gotham City PD than, than, you know, than, than comic book. It was trying really hard to stick to characters we've never heard of before yes. and no capes of any kind. Right, right. You know, it's just more, more like gangland politics. Yeah. Uh, but here we come into the villains. And they really did a good job with the majority of them. And I think ultimately the quality of what they ended up turning out in its weird sort of like very hyper noirish way. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like I, akin to something like even like a co- like a more comic version, like funny version of Sin City or something. Even yeah. at points, uh, really works in the context of the show. It just doesn't really work for people who are expecting this to lead up to the Batman they expect. Yeah, and and as I've said plenty of times, uh, we see Batman in the media so much. The the movies, the multiple, like he'll have like what ten titles on the stand at one time. Oh yeah, so many cartoons at least. I'm just kind of at a point where like I don't need so much Batman right now. I I don't mind taking a break, and I love this building of Gotham City from the ground up, where you see what a cesspool of a crooked city it is. It's it's at a point where I go like, wow. Always before with Batman, it's like it's fun to read. But, you know, Bruce Wayne's money could do more to help the city than Batman could just beating up criminals. Yeah, yeah. This Gotham they have right now, I look at it, I go like, no, they need a guy like Batman to come in here and straighten this shit <laughs> well, that's, up. <laughs> that's, you know, it's not setting up specifically for Batman. It's just setting up of it's getting so out of control. Yes. Who is going to be that person? And right now, it's, you know, Ben McKenzie as James Gordon, who's like, I who is, at the second season is literally not a cop anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, who's yeah. like... I'm like I'm a vigilante basically myself, and he's not Batman quality vigilante. He's just infused with a Batman level of anger. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel like everything they're doing with him is just right for a contextual Batman thing. In the sense that why eventually he, when he's Commissioner Gordon, he's like, no, I you're I wish I was young and and like had done things better like you're doing now. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. um, and I love that all these characters. That are admittedly, you know, timeline wise, you're like, is, you know, if you were to go with the the context of standard Batman, you're like, is Batman all his supervillains going to be like joining AARP <laughs> when when he's fighting them? But I don't care because they've always been interesting characters, and the second season is actually really exploring them, and not just as little kids, right? But as you know, twenty somethings. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, yeah. You figure like, you look at Batman's villains, and they do seem to be middle aged. Yeah. While he's in his early thirties, I mean, several of them. At yeah. Least, you so, know? so the, I think the timeline works out about right. About right. Yeah. I mean, like it close depends, enough. Yeah, close enough. I mean, like I, I think the biggest. Issue some people had was with the guy who was playing, and I'm I, I don't have his name right in front of me, but the guy who was ostensibly going to become the Joker, uh-huh. I, and they're like the Joker should definitely not be older than Batman. 
Okay, maybe, but you know, maybe Tim not. Burton's Batman. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, but either way, like you know, his origin story as a psycho shouldn't be before Batman becomes Batman, and that part I get. Like the the idea that in the comics their characters have always been inextricable. You know, from sure. each other's origin story. Well, okay. If say if you come into Gotham, into Gotham, and you have your idea of what the Batman lore should be and how it should work out, uh, you don't know what you're talking about because mm. comics wise, they've done so many iterations. Yes. You know, you had the original Joker, who was just a hood who who went with a gimmick and and uh, with and then start using you know funny gadgets. Or you go to the killing joke where he's a comedian and then becomes uh, a complete psychopath. Yes. Uh, there's the there's the movie jokers. Jokers, plural. Which go all over the place. They go all over the place. So when Gotham does these things that you think it shouldn't do, you don't have the right to say that. It's that's part of the, the way this the whole mythology goes. And this is definitely a, a absurdly dark yes. version. Yes. And it's still very comic booky. Oh, no yeah. No question. Oh, yeah. Well, but it it a, can be quite comical at times. It almost feels like, uh, who was the big 70s Batman guy? Uh, who kind of made it go from just goofy to noir. Oh, Denny O'Neill. Yeah. It almost feels like Dennis O'Neill Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where it's like, yeah, it's super grim. But at the same time, it has these hugely bigger than life characters in it. Oh, yeah. It, it can be absurdly funny, and it knows what it's doing. Yeah. Um, and... The, the casting on plenty of the villains has, has been good. Uh, still, the best casting in the world is Robin Lord Taylor as the Penguin. Yeah, that's he just nails it he, so he hard. He nails it. Even people I know who hate the show, beyond all reason, are like, yeah, but that guy is pretty good. And I was worried he was going to get over, overshadowed because they were introducing so many villains. A lot but, of villains. A lot of villains. But then they, they gave him the best storyline of all, yeah. where he meets his biological father, played by... Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, who was the father of the Penguin in Batman Returns. The only problem with that story at all is that it just doesn't go on long enough. I know, right? You were like, I could have dealt with three seasons of that relationship. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, but when it is there, it's great. And it's the real, it's the real origin of the Penguin. Uh Uh-huh. You know, we're seeing him build up to this as like this criminal and he's clearly crazy, but he's got mom issues. This is like... Like, what happens with his dad is how the penguin becomes the penguin. Oh, yeah. And it sells completely. It totally does. I mean, and if, if you are a, a fan of revenge flicks, <laughs> this man, this is one of those classic ones that you, you always remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's one, look, it's, we like, we genuinely like Robin Lord Taylor as Oswald Co- Cobblepot in this. <laughs> We're like, I know you're a crazy, bad, murderous, bad guy, but I'm kind of rooting for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And even, like, throughout that sequence and the whole revenge cycle that happens in that, you're still like, I'm still kind of rooting for you, <laughs> but you have admittedly brought this a titch too far. <laughs> <laughs> um, I even liked Bruce Wayne in this in this season, and I didn't care for him at all in the first season. Oh, him and, and Catwoman did not like them at all in the first season. Yeah, they were the weakest points of yes, the whole show. Yes, yes. Whenever we get to them, just be like, oh, good lord. Between the, between the two of them and and Barbara, uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon's, or uh, James Gordon's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. she Because she was just too much. Well, but, Bar- yeah, uh, Barbara Keene, Aaron Richards playing her, it was like, 
I'm still confused about where that's going to go. Yeah. I mean, maybe there he meets another Barbara later down the line who becomes, like, his real wife, and it's not her, and it's a fake-out. You would think almost has to be, right? Because this season, especially, they set her up as, like, no, she's going to be a major right? You know? Like, you don't really recover from the degree to which Mm -hmm. she's become a supervillain at this point. That's true, even though she keeps trying to come back and go, like, no, I'm not as bad as I used to be. It's like, uh... Yeah, but it was all ploy. But, But you're still crazy, though. Yeah, I know, still, I know. It's, it's all crazy. it's always a ploy within a ploy. But there's, there's like, but they've been, so, yeah. She, but those three characters have been so much better in the second so season. So much better. They do so much. It's like they really this show, the second season they really figured out where they're going. They stopped having like ideas of like being afraid of what they shouldn't do. Yeah, and are just moving ahead as like this totally on its own thing. My favorite thing this season is Hugo Strange. Oh, I know, which I love. Setting, up I games. know. B D Wong is is Hugo Strange. Not the kind of casting you would have thought. No. But he's so good. Oh, he's really good. And it also is a convenient plot point to Mm -hmm. set up why, like, all these characters who we assumed were, like, no, we're not going to be in the show anymore because of their relationship with him and what happens to them evolve them to the level of, like, okay, now they are not just criminals. They're something more than that. It's a a new spin on uh, on the Hugo Strange and his monster man. It almost makes Hugo Strange the father of the supervillain problem in Gotham. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, almost, not even almost. It definitively does. Definitively does, yeah. yeah. And it, that works so well. Hugo Strange has always been kind of the much older character anyway in yeah. these books. And I'm like, I kind of like that that was always what they did. And plus this season we see uh, Edward Nigma, the Riddler, like where... Really coming to his own. Yeah, really be- full on become the Riddler. Yeah. And, and that way, in the perfect comic book way where, no, he is not exactly a master criminal. He is truly crazy. I know. Um, he is more interested in his games than yeah. he is in winning. Yeah. You know, and th- this young version of him where he's first becoming that person, just so perfectly played by Corey Michael Smith, I thought. Like, yeah. Just really nailed. There's a moment where, like, a big game plan he's laid out falls in his face and uh-huh. he fucks up and he's just like, well, shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a wonderful moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard throughout this whole season in, a, in the way I was supposed to. Right. Edit. Um, just just had a great time. Even Sean Pertwee had a few, playing Alfred Pennyworth, had a few really good moments like where he had to go into like do the like a full-on like box Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that, he's another one that in the first season I was not with it. I was like, okay, you, you made Alfred just so cockney I can barely understand what he's saying sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, it, I, I came to like him quite a bit too. I will say the only downside at all here uh, is only in the second half of the season with Ma- uh, Marina, Marina Baccarin's when character she, when she gets pregnant in real life, so she yeah. has to leave the show for a while. It's just kind of like I, I I liked her when they were introducing her as the new love interest. I really liked yeah. her, but then the point where the show phases her out has a very sort of like Felicity on Arrow feel to it. You know, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. You're like, okay. I'm not buying that yeah. aspect. Of it's too bad that seems to be the only way they know how to write women yeah, <laughs> on yeah. TV yeah. in these shows. And uh, God help me, I actually, in the last third of the season, really liked Fish Mooney. Oh, I always liked Fish Mooney. I, I liked her, but was always like, what are you doing here? Where are you taking this? Uh-huh. And then her new thing oh, yeah. is like, okay, that's really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I will say overall, Gotham Season 2, I thought was a big success. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I tell you guys, 
Yes, I understand your problems early on. Please take our <laughs> word for it. Go back, watch the show without a notion of, like, this is what it's supposed to be. Uh-huh. Watch it as an Elseworlds. I mean, shit. Like, fucking Christopher Nolan's Batman films break every Batman exactly. rule there is. But it works because the universe they've created is the mythology is intact within in, in itself. Yeah, yeah. You know? Gotham is it's true to itself. It's true to its own mythology. And Batman mythologies are always, they you know, they, they operate on this Elseworlds plane. And, you, and you, you've bought them the whole time. This, is, this one's no different. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 22 episodes. Second season. Okay. Uh, the Gotham, the extra features is uh, Gotham uh, 2015 Comic-Con panel, which, of course, nowadays that's pretty much par for the course. Sure. Is doing the Comic-Con panel. Fucking San Diego. <laughs> uh, there's a, uh, a feature called Gotham by Noir Light, which is a look at how they uh, choose to, cinematography-wise, oh, okay. give it such a noir feel. Uh, there's uh, a whole special piece about Alfred. Specifically, taking a look at his character on there. And then there's a look at uh, Victor Fries. Oh, okay. Yeah, a Freeze, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Fries. Freeze, I know. Yeah, he'd be like <laughs> Captain McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suppose there's a Tabitha nude photo shoot in there. No, sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually really liked what they did with with uh, Mr. Freeze. I thought his origin story was pretty solid. It was. It, it, and it's we're just seeing the beginning of it, as uh-huh. they make clear. It's like, like they're like, oh, now he is. When, the last time we even see him, it's like right when he becomes Mr. Freeze as we know him. Right. And we haven't seen him since, which means we're definitely going to see him. Oh, yeah. In the yeah, future. No, no, again. They'll, 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 he'll be back. But it's a, it's the, of all the characters on the show, the way they've done them, his feels the most true to Batman the Animated Series. True. You know? Yeah. It's it's the one it's the, the, the most recognizable from the Batman comics and especially the animated series. Agreed. Well the next show we're talking about is The Strain, season two, the most criminally underwatched uh show other than Gotham, I suspect. Uh-huh. I really like this, and not just because I like Blade 2 so much. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, those fucking like open mouth vampires, they were cool. They should do more with that. Well, that's the strain. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, these guys, they're, what, they're, they're zombie vampires, but they also have the open mouth things. They have the worms that can get on you. Like, there's so many ways you can be killed or infected. Yeah, and it's so incredibly bloody but in a almost body horror sort of uh-huh, way uh-huh. like you know where it's like it, it just gets onto your skin at points like Ugh. so fucking creepy the, yeah. the the stuff they come up with here and of course this is from Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan uh who worked together on a book series that this was adapted from um i i will say i think right off the bat one of the things i actually read the first book and went it's a it's a great story that's not all that well written. Uh huh. You know, you're like, yeah, it's kind of. I mean, it's not terrible. It's just kind of hackish. Okay. You know. Yeah. I, I got, always gotten the feeling Chuck Hogan is not exactly known for being like. He's kind of the Dean Kuntz Kuntz of his time. <laughs> you know. Okay. Fair enough. But uh, and I'm sorry to you, Chuck Hogan, if you're a fan of this podcast, which I seriously <laughs> doubt. But um, <laughs> the uh, the guy Corey Stoll who plays Dr. Ephraim yeah, Goodweather, yeah. who's the main character. Man, I love that fucking guy. I do too. And they've made a main character who is so flawed from the very beginning. Um, you know, he's not a guy who's who's pure of heart, but he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And he's willing to take action. Uh, and... What, it, David Bradley, as uh, who was Fitch? Filch. Filch. Yeah, sorry. 
Yeah. Chris, you're never going to make Fitch happen. <laughs> Uh, Filch on the Harry Potter movies plays like the older. Oh yeah, what's Holocaust his name on, on uh, Game of Thrones? Uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, God, oh, everybody. Hates, uh, Walter Frey. Walter Frey. Yeah. Jeez, when when he got it, I oh, was like, yeah. stood up and was like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but he's great on here. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, he, old curmudgeonly guy who's but really good at what he does. Uh-huh. He's he's the, the 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 wisdom part of the team, but still is like. Doesn't always make the best decisions necessarily. Right, he's right. more motiva- motivated by emotion than anybody else is. Well, sure, because he's been fighting these things since World War II. Yeah, no, he saw, like, uh, like everyone he ever knew get killed by them. Yeah. Because they were working with the Nazis. Um, now, season two, I will say, at worst, it fe- feels like it's spinning its wheels. Yeah, there are times when it feels like it's spinning its wheels. Yeah, the, the, the like, it starts off strong, but then it's a little bit of, like, this is just kind of, like... By the numbers, vampire fighting, get to something happening. Yeah. And I would say it's a good six or seven episodes of that, which is too much for a second season. So a little critical of the second season over the first season for me. But when it gets back online, when it gets back into it, I think it really works. And one of the things it does well is the uh, Corey Stoll's wife coming back into the story again as a fully infected yes. and controlled by the master vampire, which is super fucking creepy. It is, especially since he's got a hard-headed little bastard of a son. <laughs> I mean, like, if if you ever hated Carl on The Walking Dead, you don't even know from hating the kid character no. to, to this kid right here. Not even Who does close. something at the, at the very end of the season that made me just want to reach to the TV and choke him to yeah. death. Yeah, no, no, he's, uh, yeah, he is one of the weak points of this show. Yeah. I will say. Because it's like, how hard-headed can he be? Yeah, there's a point you're like, early on, you're like, okay, I get it. But there's a point, you, you've you seen all this, and you're still doing this? I mean, you're not three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very irritating at points. One of the things I really like is, all right, so my biggest complaint in the first season is the makeup job on the master. Right, right. He looked horrible. Right, right. Like the show was so good and you get to the master and he looked like one of the killer clowns from out of space. Yeah, he looked so bad. Yeah. So the second season smartly, yeah. and I don't even know if, I never read the second book, but uh, smartly decides, he's like, oh, this body is dying. I need to get a new body. <laughs> this body looks silly. And <laughs> goes into like a uh, Chris Angel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically, uh, Jack Kesey, who plays a, uh, you know, a Marilyn Manson style rock star. Who's right. one of the earliest infected. Uh, and you're like, okay, no, that guy is definitely a better choice. Yes, yes. And he actually looks guy. scary now. Yeah, yeah, he actually does look scary. But I, I really did overall have fun with this. I kind of feel like, to some degree, overall, in a bigger picture, they are spinning their wheels because they don't know how long they're going to take this. Are they going to stick to the books? Are they going to go keep going beyond the books? I think there's probably some level of, like, we're watching the numbers to see how this goes. Yeah, well, it, it, at times it felt like it was it could come to a conclusion in the third season the way it was going. Yeah. But then they're introducing different elements. I mean, like, you have, even within the villains, you have, uh, the, like, the number two guy, uh, Icorse. Who's going against uh, what's the character's name? Spencer Eldridge, the rich guy, yeah, yeah, right. who's, yeah. who's funding them, and it's a big power play between the two of them. Uh, I tell you, man, when Spencer Eldridge, when he has that young girl Coco as his girlfriend, yeah, Eldridge Palmer, uh, Eldridge Palmer, thank you, uh, and they're together. 
I was, I was, I think I was more grossed out by that than anything yeah, else on the show. It was really gross, but he <laughs> comes to this incredibly poignant moment ending of that, that whole thing where you're like, God, I actually kind of feel sorry for him. I know I did now. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they got that going on. And then there's this whole other side story where they bring in, um, an ex Mexican wrestler. And I was just like, uh, I'm not saying I don't like this, yeah. but wow, what the fuck? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's uh, uh, Joaquin Cosillo as Angel uh, Hurtado, who they introduce as this character who was once a, a television or a right. movie wrestler. Not even like, you know, doing like matches type things so much as having plots and stories right, right. about yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, 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 like El Santo. And now he's like in his like maybe late 50s oh, or he's something. Older or that. older than that. Yeah, yeah. and like uh, this one of the, the guys who is one of the main characters characters a guy who's sort of a gangbanger who was originally working you know just for pay for the master doing stuff not realizing how bad it was and now has turned over to the sign of the angels has kind of bonded with this guy because uh-huh. he right off the bat's like oh my god you're the fucking wrestling guy holy shit you should be a hero well, it's like yeah you fought these vampires way back when it's almost like it blends the line like wait he did it on a TV show, but you're kind of acting like he fought him for real. So, I'm sorry, Miguel Gomez as uh, Gus, is right, the, right, the, the younger Latino guy who I actually really like on the. Oh show. yeah, yeah, no, he he's good. He pops up in small roles in different movies. Last thing I saw him in was uh, uh, Southpaw, uh, but he's he's got a lot of charisma. This guy, and he seems to be uh, you know uh, something of a, a lesser badass on his own. Now, one of the big turnarounds on this season that was started last season and now they've explained it is like, who are these ninja dudes showing yeah. up? Like these guys all in black who obviously have some kind of superpowers and are fighting the vampires. Right. And you're like, oh, they're vampires too? Yeah. They, it just turns out the guy, vampire, everybody else is fighting who wants to cause the apocalypse. That's just not done. Yeah. It's very gauche. Yeah, nobody likes that guy. (laughs) There's a master group of vampires who are like, no, the whole reason we've been around this long is because we stay in the background. Uh And so they've got this team of black ops vampires who are like (laughs) now working with said Latino guy, Gus, Uh who are like, yeah, we want you to work for us because we want to, we got to stop this guy because we don't want, why would we want to kill humanity? Like, why would we, that makes no sense. Uh <laughs> and I kind of liked that this is coming to this sort of like head where like characters like David Bradley's uh, Abra- Abraham, who is like, you know, has couldn't have more of a hate on for vampires in general because of his na- Nazi experiences are like coming to terms with the fact we're going to have to work with vampires uh-huh. to beat vampires. And that's a partially because of Bradley's terrific performance here is a interesting like a dilemma for oh yeah for that character to come to uh well plus everybody seems to have secret agendas oh yeah everybody's got well not even necessarily secret agendas but but uh, what monkey what are you doing monkey's got a hairball oh (laughs) don't throw up on this chair it doesn't project all that he's doing he looks like a muppet he does (laughs) monkey don't die there There it is he's chewing it up He's going to swallow back. Oh, why down. are you going to swallow it? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I know. Don't do that. No. Oh, gross. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say overall, I, I think that the strain is still solid. I think the second season is not as solid as the first season, but it's still very much worth watching. And there's some interesting developments going on. Really look forward to seeing what's happening in the third season. Uh, you get a lot of the extras on here are basically a lot of deleted scenes. There's one, uh, 
audio commentary, which is on the episode Night Train with Carlton Cuse, who's okay. one of the showrunners. Carlton Cuse from Lost. Right. Just saying. Uh, there's a seven minute, seven and a half minute introduction to the sort of supporting characters on the strain called, uh, meet the crew of the strain. Which oh, is okay. Kinda cool. Cause there's a lot of great supporting characters on here. There's a gag reel, which I don't know why everything in the world doesn't have a gag reel. <laughs> you like gag reels? I love gag I've reels. I've come to hate those. Man, I just, it, I don't like gag reels as much on comedies cause you're like, it's already a comedy. Uh-huh. I like them on like serious stuff. Where you're like, it's hysterical to watch characters who are always darkly serious, like, crack up laughing. Uh-huh. You go back and watch Star Trek Next Generation gag reels, they're the best. Okay. Because it's always Patrick Stewart who breaks up, and he's got this, like, crazy geek boy laugh. And you're like, that's <laughs> fucking John Luke Picard. Uh-huh. Couldn't be more out of character. Uh-huh. So that's why, like, when it's out of character, that's why it's funny. If it's a comedy, if it's just Seth Rogen going, <gasps> <laughs> you're like, yeah, you, I just watched two hours of you doing that. I need the extra features of that. Uh-huh. But uh, there's Beyond the Page for 11 minutes, which looks at the uh, adaptation from the original source books. Oh, okay. And then there's seven minutes that take a specific look on how they do all the turn and the special effects of it. Okay. So it's actually a pretty solid collection of uh, bonus features on this thing. Okay. Yeah. Very uh, cool. Uh, I, I beg you guys for both of these shows, if you wrote them off, reconsider. Especially if you're a fan of Blade 2. I think you would really get into these shows. And I'm not even a fan, but this makes me want to go back and watch Blade 2. I, I just rewatched it recently, and I went, and we had a discussion right before I rewatched it, where you were like, I don't like Blade 2. I was like, I could have sworn you were the guy who liked Blade 2 with me. <laughs> You're like, no, that wasn't me. And you explained some of your viewpoints why you didn't like it. So I rewatched it, and I went, I see what you're talking about, and I don't care. I still like Blade yeah, 2. Yeah, I, I, and that's yeah. fine. It's like, I agree with what you're saying. You're not wrong but there's so much stuff that's strong in it that I like it anyway. I, I get that. Yeah, fair enough. Unlike your opinion about don't breathe, but uh, don't blink. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't wait, breathe. Don't yeah, breathe. Don't yeah. breathe. Yeah. yeah, don't yeah. blink's totally different. Movie. Yeah, but you're totally wrong about. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you have a point. <laughs> oh, I mean, what? Yeah, just for people who don't understand horror. Oh, okay. <laughs> You what? like how I just what? condescended the fuck out of you right there? But yeah, but but you condescended to me in a way where I go, yeah, okay, I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just being condescending. Oh, okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Martin. Oh, absolutely. Thanks to everyone who was able to come on and do digital noise reviews with me this week. Next episode coming up tomorrow will be a lot more of horror-type shows and uh, a wider variety of other sort of stuff as well. Anyway, stay tuned, and until then, yada yada, subscribers, Amazon links, you know the deal, get on it.